Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Well, hey, what is up, everybody? Man, it's so good to be in church with you all today. I just want to take a moment and welcome all of our physical locations and those watching online. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad to be here. Um, My name is Julio, and I serve as the assistant location leader for our Port Richmond location. Port Richmond, show me some love. I love you guys so much. Uh, If we haven't gotten a chance to meet, uh, here's a picture of my family, my wife, Eliza. We've been married uh, for two years now. Love of my life. Love her dearly. Um, A picture of our son, Roman, who is uh, just turned five months old and he's Port Richmond's official mascot. Everyone loves him, loves seeing him in the lobby every Sunday. And then we also have my sister, Naisha, who's 14 years old and uh, we adopted into our family a little over two years ago. And so I just love my family so much. They're so uh, meaningful to me, so integral to my story. And um, yeah, I just love that God has blessed me and, and gave me the opportunity to lead them. And um, speaking of leading, I just want to honor right now our lead pastors, Pastor Joey and Lauren. I just want to say thank you to them so much. They've been so integral to my story. Uh, They've not only spiritually adopted me, but in many ways, uh, they served as the parental oversight that I've always needed in my life. And so I just love the leadership of this house. Can we just honor Pastor Joey and Lauren right now? Amen. Amen. I love them so much. Well, right before we dive into the message today, I just want to do a little plug. The Block Merch has released new merch for our mental health series. This thing is so nice. Uh, so make sure you go out to the lobby and check that out um, and grab that. Um, but today we're on week two of our mental health series called Brainwash. Okay, and we're not trying to brainwash you into drinking the Kool-Aid or doing anything weird. Today, the objective is to take inventory of our mental health and to literally wash our brain with God's truth. Okay, the key verse that we've been using is out of Romans chapter 12, and it's going to serve as a theme for this entire series. And it reads like this. It says, therefore, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And today, what I want us to renew our mind around is around the topic and the idea of trauma. And I know that trauma can be a very tricky subject for a lot of people because we can find ourselves in different stages of healing. And even understanding where we are with our trauma or what trauma we have experienced. But let me level the playing field for everyone here today. Let me define what trauma is. According to the dictionary, trauma is a deeply disturbing experience. Okay, a deeply disturbing experience. And so the uh, the Cidron Institute, based out of Baltimore, Maryland, they estimate that about 70% of U.S. adults will experience at least one traumatic event in their lifetime. All right, that's 70% nationwide. Uh, I know that a lot of us in this room maybe have experienced trauma, okay? If you ever forgot to take the chicken out the freezer for your mom, (laughs) you know what trauma is when the car pulls up and you're not ready and you baptize that chicken in hot water and you're like, Lord, please thaw in the name of Jesus. That, that's not trauma. That's what I call drama in my house, all right? 
but in all reality, 70%, that's a study that was done in 2019. And uh, there's still studies right now being conducted over how trauma has impacted our nation, our world uh, between 2020 and right now. And I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say excited, but I'm expectant to see those results because I think that this number would no longer be 70. I think 100% of us have experienced trauma, disturbing events, distressing experiences. And so um, especially for those watching at physical locations here in the city of Philadelphia, there's so much brokenness that that 70% again would be a lot higher for people who live in this urban context and are around so much brokenness. And uh, for me, for myself, particularly living in Philadelphia, uh, I grew up in Kensington, which is like trauma 101. If you want to be traumatized, spend more than 10 minutes in Kensington and I promise you'll have an experience. Um, But I grew up in Kensington and, and particularly around Kensington and Somerset on a little street called Heart Lane, if anyone knows what that is. Um, but I grew up around there and um, my experiences with trauma has been, have been so numerous, unfortunately. And uh, my life is an open book for a lot of people. I just tell them, I'm a filing cabinet. You tell me what drawer you want to open, what file you want to look at, what month, what day. And I'm an open book to be able to tell you what has happened. But I've had my fair share of experiencing trauma. Um, I grew up in a single parent household, the oldest of five kids, uh, essentially co-parenting with my mom and taking on the responsibility at a very young age. Um, I've had people try to take my life. I've had people, uh, I've seen people's lives be taken right in front of me. And I've been in moments of my life so uh, weighed down with trauma that I've even tried to take my own life. And so trauma affects everyone. I've seen people, uh, I've seen numerous people uh, overdose from drugs. I've seen, I've been so many crossfires and shootings in our city. I've lost count of them. I've been to way too many funerals for best friends and family members. I just had an aunt who was murdered in December from broad daylight in Kensington. I've seen the innocence snatched from the hands of children. I've been put out in the cold streets of Philadelphia to survive on my own. I know what it's like to go extended periods of time without proper utilities. I've been lied to. I've been beaten. I've been manipulated. And yet here I am today. All right. Here I am today by God's grace. And so today the title of my message and the objective of my message is to help you find triumph over trauma. All right. Come on, touch your neighbor. Tell them triumph over trauma, triumph over trauma. You're still here. You're still here today. See, one of the things, I just want to talk a little bit about the science of trauma. Um, your body, when it responds to trauma, a lot of us just think that it's a mental thing, that it's just a psychological experience, when in fact, it's also a physiological experience. Your entire body responds to trauma, and mainly in three ways. And two of them we really know um, by heart, but there's a third one that we really don't talk about. So your body either goes into fight mode, into flight mode, or it goes into a freeze mode that we really don't talk about a lot. Your body literally experiences a shock when experiencing these events. And uh, there are hormones, there's cortisol that's released into your blood. There's adrenaline that's released, that's preparing you. It gets your heart beating, gets your blood pumping. It gets you ready to either fight whatever's in front of you, flight from it, to flee from it, or to freeze in the moment, okay? And so what ends up happening um, is that we need to really 
be able to find a framework for how to overcome trauma because it's not just a mental thing, but it's a physiological experience. See, what happens when we don't properly process trauma, what'll end up happening is that we can continue to relive the same traumatic events 10, 15, 20 years later because our body is physiologically responding, even if psychologically we've already dealt with it. And so what happens when we don't address it is that we can find ourselves in this vicious cycle of experiencing trauma and then experiencing the repercussions of it afterwards. And so we really need to find a healthy framework for how to deal with our trauma. There's an author named Abezel van der Kolk in the book, it says the body keeps count. And he says this quote, which I think is really, really um, key and pivotal. He says, trauma is specifically an event that overwhelms the central nervous system, alerting the way we process and recall memories. Trauma is not the story of something that happened back then, but it's the current imprint of that pain, of that fear, and of the horror living inside of people. All right, let me just say that again. Trauma is not the story of something that happened back then. It is the current imprint of the pain, horror, and fear living inside of people. It's important for us to deal with it. Now, the Bible itself is full of trauma. <laughs> I mean, you get to chapter four, you already have domestic violence and murder. Boom, right there. You know, chapter four, it just hits you in the face. You keep reading the book of Genesis. I don't know if you've ever done that chronologically. By the end of the book, you're like, what am I even reading? Like, is this a horror? Like, what is, it? Like, what is happening here? What kind, of, what kind of novel is this? But the reality is, is that when sin entered into the world, humanity quickly de-escalated down from the design that God originally had for us. And we see instances instances of sexual assault. We see uh, instances of cannibalism. We see uh, instances of incest and rape and so much trauma that happens in the book of Genesis because of when sin is then introduced into the world and we fall apart from the design that God has for us. And this topic is so important because I think a lot of times as Christians and historically the church um, has found itself in unhealthy messaging around trauma where you just have to believe that you're a new creation and just walk in the fullness of Christ. When in reality, you can experience, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That is true. I believe in that. There is salvation. There is spiritual regeneration. But the simple fact is just because you gave your life to Jesus doesn't mean that the neural pathways in your brain that have been rewiring and retelling the story of trauma in your brain are going to go away in an instant. And I've seen it happen before. I've, I've seen people's mind be, uh, be uh, completely healed of different uh, traumatic events in their lifetime. But the reality is, and uh, the comfort is that you can be a Christian and still experience trauma. A lot of the trauma that I've experienced in my life was after I gave my life to Christ. And you have to realize why it is, who, who it is that you're truly fighting against. And that trauma is a result of sin, of sin in the world. Uh, I love this uh, passage out of Ecclesiastes chapter seven. It says, a person who fears God deals responsibly with all of reality, not just a piece of it. So we can't just address the spiritual aspect. We have to address the realness of our mental state and we have to address it properly. Okay, so uh, here's a couple of points that I've learned over the years to be able to find triumph over trauma. Okay, I want you to take notes with these. Uh, my first First point is you have to assess the wounds. Some of us have never truly taken time to sit down and process what the heck just happened to my life. 
we go through moments, we go through experiences and we know, man, my life has been hard, but we've never actually sat down and written down exactly what we've gone through. And that's why I get to stand up here and at the beginning of this, I give you a list of just a glimpse of the trauma that I've experienced. And that's why I'm able to say it without tears in my eyes or without fear or without panic because I've already addressed it. You cannot address what you do not define. And I've had seasons in my life where I've been in counseling and I've sat down with journals for hours at a time and just weeping and literally writing down every traumatic event that I can think of. Because if I don't define it, I cannot address it. See, a lot of us just have to spend time in that. And we're gonna have some time today to just address the wounds that you have in your life. Maybe today for the first time, you're gonna, you're gonna find freedom in just addressing and saying, you know what, this did happen to me. And it, this is how it is affecting me. Uh, a lot of us had experienced family trauma and a lot of our trauma comes from our family of origin. And uh, Pete Scazzaro, he does this uh, beautiful activity called the genogram. And a genogram, his whole thing is you have to go back before you can go forward. And it's literally a family tree that you have to draw out and map out and you have to write the adjectives and you have to describe every relationship within your nuclear family, how you experienced them when you were five years old versus 10 versus 15 and how the story of your family history has evolved and transformed you to the person that you are today. It's a very beautiful exercise. And actually throughout this series, you can text TBC help to 94000 and it'll shoot you back a link where you can find a bunch of different resources and you can find this genogram here. But the first one, we just have to assess our wounds because we cannot deal with what we have not defined. Number two, we have to allow Jesus into our trauma. And the reason that the first one is so important is because we don't even know what to go to Jesus with. You just say, Jesus, I have so much brokenness. But in reality, if we really want to find breakthrough is, God, I don't have just brokenness, but I know that I have a father figure issue. So God, I want you to heal that specific issue in my life. And what I love about Jesus is that he, the, the scriptures speak so prophetically over him. Uh, there's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 61 where Isaiah is prophetically writing about the Messiah to come, the Savior to come, who's going to come and liberate all the sons and daughters who've been held in captivity. And in Isaiah 61 chapter 3, it says this, and I just love it so much. I've been ruminating and just meditating on this scripture. And it says, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. And I love that scripture. I love how prophetic it is. And I think a lot of times we keep God's promises as just a prophecy one day being available to us. But what I love even more is that in John chapter four, Jesus goes into a synagogue and before the Pharisees and and all the teachers and before the people who are coming in to the temple to receive God's word, Jesus stands up and he reads the scroll from Isaiah 61. And John chapter four says, these are Jesus's words. He says, the scripture that you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. In other words, it's not just a promise that's available to us. It's not just a promise or a prophecy that one day can come true. But Jesus said, today, this scripture has been revealed. Today, this scripture can be fulfilled in your life. 
And what I love about this verse is that you cannot hold on to mourning and expect joyous blessing. You can't hold on to despair and expect festive praise because what Jesus says here is, he says, in place of ashes, I'm going to give you a crown of beauty. In place of mourning, I'm going to give you a joyous blessing. In place of despair, I'm going to give you festive praise, but you have to give it to Jesus. You have to give it to him. You cannot hold on to your trauma and to your experience without being willing to surrender it all. And I have another definition for trauma. Trauma is simply just a manifestation of sin unchecked. That's all it is. When, when sin runs rampant and there's nobody to check it, that's what trauma is. And so when we give it to Jesus, when we lay it at his feet, when we allow him into our trauma, he then gives us the ability to then experience all of his blessings. You have to assess your wounds. You have to allow Jesus into your trauma. Number three, you have to bring accountability into your trauma. One of my favorite scriptures uh, is uh, Psalm 139. And um, I'm just laughing because so many of you have probably just heard me. You've come to me in time of need and time of crisis. And I keep that thing in my back pocket. I mean, I burnt out that scripture to every single person that I can imagine because it's so powerful and it's so useful uh, in good seasons and bad season and trying season. The scripture just speaks truth over everyone. And there's a verse, verse 12, it says, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and the light are the same to you. And I just love that so much because how many times do we try to stuff our trauma down and try to hide it? And if I can just clap long enough and if I can just jump high enough during worship, if I can just attend enough block groups, if I can just serve enough and serve my guts out, if I can just isolate myself from all of my trauma and just try to do the right things. But the scripture says that even the darkness that you've experienced is like light to the Lord. It's all the same to him. There's nothing that can be hidden to him. So you have to bring that account accountability into it. You have to find safe places, counseling, therapy. Some of us need to go see a psychiatrist. And sometimes, sometimes community isn't, isn't it's, it's a great place to work out your trauma. But for the first time, if you're like, man, I've never addressed this, man, sometimes you just need to go to a professional. I mean, so many times as a pastor, I have to navigate that line of I'm here as your pastor to remind you of God's word, to encourage you spiritually, to put imprint faith into your life. But I'm not a counselor. Like I'm not a professional. I can't help you with this. So you have to start it in a safe place in counseling and therapy. And then you can bring that. And in the process of healing, you can then invite others into the process. You see, Jesus and accountability, they help heal shame and guilt. Pastor Joey preached on that last week. My fourth point is don't let your scars define you. Do not let your scars define you. Trauma can be part of your story, but it isn't, is your, it's, not, it's not your story. It's just a scar in the journey of this life that you've been able to obtain and heal from. You see, when I was uh, a teenager, I just remember I, I would always be, I was always really good about telling people about my trauma. And it wasn't that I was, um, it wasn't that I was proud of my trauma, but it was just 
so ingrained into the reality of my life. I remember being a teenager and still couch surfing and being homeless. And it's like, that's a very real part of my life. And so I would just reveal it to people. And as it came up in conversation, I talk about it. Um, there would be uh, instances where I just got too comfortable with my trauma. Um, I remember being in high school, I would come to here in Port Richmond, I would come to uh, Father's Day services. And I remember we'd, we'd go all out. You, you know, guys know how we do things. You know, we got photo booths, we got nice things. And uh, I would always just try and troll somebody, you know, somebody that I didn't know. And I would walk up to them, hey man, like I really love, you know, great meeting you. Like, can you come over to like, can you come over to the photo booth and take a picture with me and my dad? Like, I, w- I would really love for you to do that. And I come to them like super sincere like that. And we go over, I give him my phone and we go over to the photo booth and the guy's kind of looking around like, man, what is, what's happening right now? And I'm like, oh no, we're ready. My dad's here. <laughs> I just go like this. And I remember I would just laugh so hard and he'd be so confused. And, and uh, as, as, as funny as that was in a moment to me, and I, and I love dark humor, it's like kind of how, how I cope through things. Um, I just remember that uh, I would try to, allow these scars to define who I was and even trying to find funniness in it, trying to find a joke in it, it was still something that was defining me. And that same Father's Day where I would try to laugh about it in the lobby, as soon as my head hit the pillow at night, I'd be left with the reality that I was abandoned at birth. And I would weep bitterly about not having a father. And in those moments, I have to remind myself that adoption is my story. Adoption into God's family is my story. Too many times I've let the enemy just rob it because I've just let it be my identity. I've, I've just tried to laugh it off. I've tried to uh, just be smug about it and, and, and kind of wear it like a chip on my shoulder when in reality, God wants to transform that. He doesn't want your identity to be placed in that. You know, and, and trauma has a funny way of coming back later in life. And even when you've done the deep work of healing and, and of, of, of trying to do everything that you can to allow Jesus into your circumstances. Um, I'll never forget this February when my son was born. Um, it was baptism Sunday. Right after baptism Sunday, my wife went into labor. We went to the hospital. I mean, the doctor's like, the baby's coming tonight. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. I've been waiting for this my entire life. And it was such a beautiful experience. My wife who's normally an angel. I mean, she was so mean. <laughs> She's just like for 20 hours, like telling me, stop doing this, stop doing that. And, uh, but I was just so happy because for those 20 hours of labor, I had to kind of be the rock for her. I had to like kind of hold all my emotions together. And um, I mean, there's so much in my life that has kind of led me into this moment of uh, being married to my wife and having our first kid and being obedient to Jesus and so much sacrifice that I've done, the fight for purity, like all these different hard things that I've done throughout my life. The obedience has kind of led to this culmination of this moment where I'm redeeming my family's story. And I remember my son being born for the first time and he just came out and looked exactly like me. And uh, at the moment where I saw and I met, my eyes met with my son and I heard his cry for the first time. I just remember years of healing being affirmed in that moment. And just the, the, the praise that I had in that, in that moment and just crying tears of gratitude. I mean, I was weeping inside of this delivery room. I was weeping on my wife's shoulder so much that the nurse came over to us. They're like, okay, dad, like the baby has to get on mom now. <laughs> but I just remember just, just the joy and the anticipation and just the father waiting for his son to arrive. And I just, it was just so beautiful. One of the best days of my life. And even in that moment, on the most beautiful days of my life, the enemy tries to come in and tries to remind us of our scars and tries to let that identify us. And I remember holding my son for the first time and the thoughts coming across and saying, you know, your dad didn't welcome you like this. 
you know, you came into an empty world. You were a mere inconvenience to a 17-year-old girl who had her life ahead of her. And in that most beautiful, I mean, I'm talking about this year, in the most beautiful moment of my life, trauma has a way to creep in, but thankfully I've done the deep work. I've assessed my wounds. I've allowed Jesus to come in. I've brought accountability into my life. And I just remember in that hospital room, just reading my life verse over myself, the words of Jesus in John 10, 10. He says, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life abundantly. And I remember praising God in that moment. And I said, life and life abundantly over my family, life and life abundantly over myself. My son gets to experience life and life abundantly because I've done the deep work to deal with my trauma. And it's like a moment I drew a line in the sand and the enemy was so angry that I drew that line and I said, this son will not be touched. This generation will not be touched with that trauma. It stops with me and I'll do whatever it takes to never allow that unchecked sin to go past another generation. You see, what the enemy has meant for evil, God has meant for good. Assess your wounds. Allow Jesus into your trauma. Bring accountability into your trauma. Don't let your scars define you. And number five, turn your healed trauma into testimony. You see, there's two kinds of testimonies that you can have. There's an internal testimony where you have to testify to yourself like I did in that hospital room. And I said, God is good. The Lord is faithful. Jesus does bring life. And I reminded myself, it wasn't Jesus who came to steal, kill, and destroy. It was the enemy who did that. You preach to yourself, you testify to yourself. For some of us, our healed trauma, it's time for us to turn that into public praise to people, to help people. I remember the first time, it, it, it's like little baby steps, just kind of practicing your testimony, helping people through it. You know, oh, you went through that? Oh man, I went through that too. This is how I overcame it. This is what I did. I'm not perfect, but this is kind of what I did that helped me. And I'm checking in on this person. I'm discipling someone through their trauma now and I'm helping them get the proper resources that they need. It's, it takes baby steps to get there. What I love, there's uh, Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. It says, they triumphed over him. This is a picture uh, at the end of times with this, uh, it's kind of wild passage. I mean, there's a dragon and there's good people and bad people. Uh, but essentially, uh, there's, there's a, the, the enemy has to be overcame, uh, overcome. And uh, this uh, chapter in uh, tw verse 12, chapter 12, verse one, it says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. In other words, by the work that Jesus did, but they also overcame him by the word of their testimony. And if we can just remind ourselves enough of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood for us, and also realizing the ramifications of that blood, washing us clean of all unrighteousness and offering us forgiveness and healing and newness. If we can remind ourselves and have those two things, I don't believe that that's just gonna be a victory at the end of times, but I believe that that's a victory that you can experience today and remind yourself of the love of Jesus and the love of Jesus implied over your life. I believe that your healing journey will change the trajectory of generations to come. 
In the same way that my son now gets to experience new freedom and his children and their children get to experience new freedom, the same can happen for you. And I want to end our time here by just reading this scripture from Romans chapter 8. Now, Paul was somebody who inflicted trauma on people before he met Jesus. He persecuted Christians. He mocked them. He imprisoned them. He murdered them. He made it a life mission to come against Christians. But he had this radical encounter with Jesus. And what I love is that when you read the book of Romans, you really have to read it through the lens of Paul's own trauma in his life and what he's overcome. And what I love is here in Romans chapter eight, he says this, after not just being a perpetrator of trauma, but also experiencing trauma later because of being a Christian, he says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or experience trauma? Or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're being killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. You know how I know that we can be triumphant over trauma? It's because of this promise right here. Paul says, no, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours in Christ who loved us. All right, I wanna say that again. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that there's nothing that can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Come on, that'll preach. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that has been revealed through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is a promise that is available to you. I would love for all of us just to get to our feet today. And I wanna let you know that overwhelming victory is yours. You can have triumph over your trauma. Today's gonna be a starting point for so many of you to go and find and seek freedom from what the enemy has tried to bind you and you're gonna find freedom in that. Just... I just want to invite the prayer team forward right now. We're going to go into a response song. And if you need prayer, right after I pray for you, I want you to come up. I mean, I don't want you to waste time. I don't want the enemy to steal another second from your life. I know some of you are, are so caught up and prideful and you're, maybe you're sitting in the back and you're like, what if people are looking at me? I do not, I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested is Jesus having your heart. What I'm interested is triumph over trauma in your life. And so today I want you to take a step that might be a little bit uncomfortable. And I want kind of like the flood gates of heaven to open in this moment. And I want you to really tune in to what God has for you. I want you to run up to the front and get prayer and assess your wounds for the first time. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you, God that your redemptive work, God, is still in work today. God, I thank you that the work that you did on Calvary still has power, still has authority, God. I thank you, God, that our trauma does not have to define us, Jesus. But I thank you, God, that we can find all hope in you, Jesus. I pray that people would be liberated today in this place across all of our locations, those watching online. God, I pray that today would be the starting point, would be a starting journey for many, God, to find freedom, to find healing, to find hope in you, Jesus for the first time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. 
If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.